0: to the O'Reilly Security Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Nash. In this episode, I talk with Richard Moltz, Vice President of Strategy and Business Development for Whitewood Encryption. We discuss whether random number generation is as random as people think it is, how to harness entropy for better randomness, and emerging standards for evaluating and certifying the quality of entropy sources. Enjoy the show. Richard, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: You're most welcome.
0: We're going to talk about entropy and cryptography and random numbers. I'd like to jump in and have you, for people who might not be as familiar with with some of this, if you could give a little bit of background on, I mean, you've spoken about this, you, you know, you, your company, you all have done research on this, you have products related to this, but if you could talk a little bit more about random number generation, where entropy comes into play with that, then we can kind of dive into the details from there.
1: Sure, absolutely. Well, when, when people think about cryptography which is you know a, a broad broad subject people yeah. tend to think about encryption um which i guess is the most common form of encryp- of cryptography and uh people tend to think about the you know the algorithms that we use to encrypt our data and uh some people will also think about the keys you know, how to keep these keys secret and mm-hmm. uh obviously if somebody grabs a, an encryption key then they can decrypt the data and uh, and the game is up from a security point of view um but but not so many people think about where those keys come from, you know, the whole premise of cryptographic security and encryption, in terms of data protection, is uh, is how do you keep those keys secret? So, right. from an attacker's point of view, they really have two goals: they can either try to steal keys, or they can just try and guess the keys. It's just like the keys uh, in your pocket, you know, your you know, your front door. They can try and steal the physical key, or they could they could run down a Home Depot and just make a copy of every possible combination and see which one fits in your lock and um, You could argue that, you know, as as the security industry spends billions and billions of dollars on IT gear every year, you'd think that stealing keys should get harder as the days go by. Um, But unfortunately, guessing keys gets easier as the days go by because the bad guys get stronger and stronger uh, computers and just more and more powerful resources and therefore doing brute force attacks uh, in terms of finding keys becomes a lot easier. You know, those of you that have watched... um, you know the movies about the Enigma machine in the Second World War. It was all about how do you guess the keys before the Germans change the keys at the end of every day, and uh, and it's the same thing with encryption these days. And uh, of course, there have been you know all manner of uh, uh, concerns over eavesdropping over the last few years, where brute forcing a key or trying to figure out a key or guess a key, you know, is at the basis of of, of some of those attacks. So uh, that gets you to the topic of random numbers. A key is just a random number, and um, Generally speaking, uh, crypto and encryption applications get their random numbers from the operating system. Uh, there are standard calls that you can make as a software developer to get a random number. And uh, you know, I think the areas that we're focused on and researching is well, how good are operating systems at actually generating random numbers? You know, how truly random are these things? Because if random numbers stop being truly random, then keys start to become predictable, and the value proposition of encryption. And cryptography in general starts to fade away, and as I say, this starts to become a real issue as as attackers get even stronger computers, and then maybe some of your listeners are aware of the threat posed by the arrival of quantum computers at some point in the future, where um you know it becomes sort of devastatingly easy to uh, to break crypto and and uh, encryption algorithms.
0: So let's talk about about random numbers. I mean, the piece that you you just mentioned in there was how random numbers are generated, and and I would imagine the prevailing attitude, perhaps outside of security, or maybe, is that computers should probably be really good at this, right? Computers—they're not you know, pe- <laughs> pe- people are particularly bad at random things, right? Yes. <laughs> like we're not good yes. at at doing random things at all. It's 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 it's, it's not our skill set. Um, but then there's these things called computers that should be good at that, but they happen to have been built by people. So I think there's there's probably some uh some Trickiness to the to the to the truth of whether you know how good, as it were, computers are at, at generating these random numbers. So,
1: well, in fact, people are probably better at generating random numbers than computers because you know computers are just you know are just software algorithms, and of course, software does what it was programmed to do. Right. Software, um, you know, isn't particularly good at doing random things. You know, when software does things that are random, we tend to call that a bug, not <laughs> <but laughs> yeah, a exactly. yeah. You know, so. um you know, computers are robots. At the end of the day, they do what the program to do, and they're not particularly particularly random. And um, so, operating systems contain algorithms. You know, whichever you know are bizarrely are called pseudo random number generators. Which, you know, on the face of it, sounds like an oxymoron. How could something be pseudo random? That doesn't sound very doesn't sound very valuable. That sounds okay if you're shuffling songs you know, on your phone. It right. uh, doesn't sound very good if you're generating keys that are meant to be around for 35 years you know, to protect you know, your company's you know, pride and pride joy in terms of corporate assets. So these pseudo random number generators, these algorithms, they've been defined and they've been you know, certified for years, but they rely on this mysterious notion of entropy to randomize these pseudo random number generators. So a you know a few hundred bits of, of perfect randomness can be used by a pseudo random number generator to generate you know hundreds of megabits or gigabits of, of 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 actual random numbers that might be consumed by applications. So although operating systems are poor at generating random numbers, or rather poor at generating entropy, providing they can find entropy in the real world somewhere, um, then they can use that to randomize their internal random number generators. That's a bit I know that's a bit complicated. Think of it like a think of it like a pack of playing cards, right? So you've got the process of dealing a pack of playing cards and you've got the process of shuffling a pack of playing cards. Right. The um the pseudo random number generators in the operating system, like Linux, for example, is really the process of dealing the deck of cards. Entropy, this mysterious source of randomness, is really the process of shuffling the deck of cards, you know, randomizing these pseudo random number generators that are in the operating system. So the question is, well, where does a computer get its entropy from? And yeah. hardware developers and system architects have been trying to find ways and, of scavenging random entropy, you know, from anywhere it can, basically. You know, um, entropy is fundamentally a, a physical property. And, I mean, um, so, I
0: mean, I'm familiar with it in the context of like thermodynamics, right? So, are we talking about a very similar concept, but just in terms of data? Or
1: yes, yes. I mean, entropy is the measure of randomness. I right. mean, entropy is, as you say, is used in lots of different physical sciences, but it's, but it, it is also the mathematical measure of randomness in a in a block of data. So, you could, right. I could give you a you know a megabit of data. And you could go and calculate the entropy of the bits in that megabit of data. You can go calculate the entropy, you know, in Romeo and Juliet, and um, you know, and it has some entropy, not very much, because it's using English words that have certain you know, grammatical constructions, and it has a plot that you know makes some sense. So, the entropy in a you know in a song or a play is not very high um you know the entropy in chinese for example is three times as high as the entropy in english just because the way that the characters are calculated and, and strung together to form sentences um, so everything's got entropy right question is how how can you find a source of randomness that is unpredictable you know and can be kept secret from the attacker so in it literally in Linux you know the systems that we have on our desktops today and that run in our data centers mm-hmm. you know it will look at things like the timing between keystrokes on a keyboard it will look at mouse movements it will look at the arrival of packets on a network it right. will look at timing jitter for processes running on the CPU so you know none of these things are perfectly random the way I'm, I don't know about you but the way I move my mouse is not perfectly random and it, it's not it's not periodic and it's not completely predictable but it has some entropy in it. So what Linux, for example, and Windows is the same, will will take input from these various different sources, you know, typically connections to the physical world, you know, either through some sort of through a camera or microphone or a detector or you know, something looking at traffic on a network, and try to distill out of it randomness and then use that as the entropy to to stir randomness into these pseudo-random number generators. So, you know, that gets into the question of well, how good are these sources? You know, mm-hmm. how good's that distillation process? And, and what happens if these sources dry up? So you you know you can look at your phone, and your phone has got you know radio antenna, and it's got a keyboard, and it's got a, a, a gyroscope, and a, you know location detectors, and cameras, and microphones, all manner of sources of of potential entropy. But the issue is, you know, when you start running crypto applications in a data center, particularly a virtualized data center. And there's not much going on in All terms right. of network, no keystrokes
0: you know, and none right, of
1: that no us- that's right no users no noise not even a hard drive you know and, and worse still if you um you know you snapshot a virtual machine say you want to make a hundred copies of a virtual machine because you're scaling out a web server or something then um the copies of each of those virtual machine you know have the same copy of the randomness that exists in you know in that in, in that particular instance so you actually end up replicating Whatever, uh, whatever minimal yeah, levels yeah. of entry exist across all these virtual machines, and yet you you would of course like and expect them to all generate perfectly different keys. So there's this sort of you know conflict emerging, I think, in the way we build systems these days, in that um, we're trying we're using more and more crypto, uh, more and more of our applications are using. Uh, digital signatures and digital certificates for authentication. They're doing more and more encryption. Um, you know, the NSA is telling us to use longer and longer keys. But more of our applications are running in very constrained systems. They're running up in clouds. They're running in virtualized systems. You know, or they're running on uh, very you know power-starved IoT devices uh, where there's less and less and less entropy available. So unfortunately, more and more crypto is happening in places where there's less and less entropy. And yeah, uh, you know, that's I think giving rise to some some, you know, concerns. I think people have generally assumed or developers have assumed that the operating system can pretty much scavenge enough entropy to do its job in making random numbers. And therefore very few people, you know, worry about this issue. You know, if you think you know, you think about um you know, an IT stack, you've got a developer rights applications, you've got an operating system, you've got the physical hardware, and you've got the physical environment, you know, it's fine if somebody owns all of that whole stack and can, you know, point cameras at lava lamps or, you know, put up microphones to capture background noise, then you can build a system that has sufficient entropy. By Wait, 14, do,
0: you, do people actually point cameras at lava lamps to get
1: oh, data yeah, entropy? They, yes, believe it or not, or even point them out of the window looking at clouds. Yeah, that, because that makes sense. you know. Well, you're desperate for some some sort of non-deterministic behavior right. you know mm-hmm. that's fine, of course, until the cleaner comes in and turns off the lava lamp at night <laughs> then oh, um, you know, then you've got a problem with your keys so I mean it sounds funny, but it's yeah. but it's it's the case that um people have tried all all manner of weird and crazy things to try and try and scavenge randomness and uh, that's okay, you know as long as you're in control of that whole system, but of course. You know, you look in a modern a modern enterprise. You've got different people designing applications. You're probably buying them from commercial vendors. Um, the people that write the apps don't really know what hardware the app's going to run on, and the people and none of these folks know anything about the physical environment that's going to be available. So, for a chief security officer, the poor guy or poor lady that has to, at the end of the day, say yes, my crypto's strong, you know, <laughs> I'm compliant to this, that, or the other standard. The reality is. You know they've got no idea where these random numbers are coming from, and they've got no idea, you know, how good or bad they are. And you know that might be okay if you could test the quality of keys retrospectively. You know, if I mm-hmm. could like, give you a bucket of keys and you could run some algorithm to to measure their goodness, that would be okay because you could just throw away, you know, the crappy keys
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the same way you could go measure the quality of water. You know, you could decide not to use the tap that, dish, that, that, that doesn't have very good water coming out of it. So sadly, you can't do that. You know, it's it's almost infectively impossible to look at a key which is just a number and, and, and determine whether it. Well, it's well, just determine whether it's random. You know, right. if I said to you, you know, is the number seven a random number? <laughs> right. You know, well, it could be. I could have two dice on my desk that I just rolled, and it would be, you know, it would be a random number, or it could be. You know the age of your youngest child, in which case it wouldn't be particularly random at all. So well, looking at a number doesn't tell you anything really about its randomness. You have to know where it came from, you know how it was generated, and what physical properties you know you're relying on for its unpredictability, and that that's what makes it a complicated subject. And one, that's the reason probably why most people sort of ignore it.
0: Right. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Pay no attention to the crypto behind the curtain. Um, that's right.
1: Don't look under the copy. Yeah.
0: I want to come back to standards in a minute because I, 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 there is some movement in that world. But before we get to that, I'm trying to understand a little bit more. So it like, can a person's entropy? if it, like, so let's say I run out of entropy in the case, like whatever my source is, like, can I run out of entropy um, in my you know, in terms of generating that for, for for my whatever I'm using, right, even if I'm controlling it in my own environment, what happens then? You know, does does the quality of your crypto go down? Or are you just sort of essentially blocked? You can't even create keys, you can't even, you know, do you get stuck, essentially?
1: Well, either and both. Okay. So, so for example, in Linux, there's there's two of these PRNGs, pseudo random number generators, right. and um, one's called devrandom and one's called dev devurandom And um, the U in devurandom means unblocking. So, so exactly to your point, if there's no entropy in Linux, you know, it really is a darkened room and nothing's going on, mm-hmm. then devurandom will still give you a random number on request, whereas devrandom in Linux, if Linux doesn't think it has any entropy. Then it won't give you a number from dev random. So you've essentially got a, a blocking random right. number generator, which is dependent upon having enough entropy, and a non-blocking one, which which doesn't care how much entropy you've got. So it's back to my you know my card deck of cards analogy, you know, one dev random will deal you a deck of would deal you a card off the deck if it knows the deck's been shuffled, whereas dev urandom um will deal the deck irrespective of whether the deck's been shuffled or not. So you know that's okay. In some ways, that's that's that gives the developer a, a good a good choice. You know, um, it's, it's like having you know back to back to taps in the kitchen. If you had two taps in the kitchen and one was guaranteed to deliver drinking water, but um, but might run dry, and the other one is guaranteed um, to deliver some water, but it might not be drinkable. That would be Devu Random. So you know that's fine. Except of course, in practical situations, almost every developer uses Devu Random because. You, you You can't afford to be waiting around you know you can't be sitting there waiting for your operating system to gather entropy if you've got an internet connection coming in and you're an online you know commerce <laughs> site you know you you've got to make that connection you've got to you know you've got to do that encryption and you've got to get that password and hopefully sell whatever it is you're selling. You can't be sitting there waiting for entropy so so although dev random is a good source of random numbers, the reality is on most systems, particularly virtualized systems, it's basically useless because it's basically frozen solid. And not working because there's no entropy available, so
0: but the flip side right then is I mean you have things like the the debian opensSL situation you know a while ago um, but then GitHub has had issues recently. I mean, so yes, the trade-off is you're still in business, but if you're you know if if you're running on on essentially more predictable data you're more you're definitely more vulnerable, right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, eventually your keys start to become predictable. Yeah, I mean, it's, and and the the point I think the you know the issue is, of course, that that you can't tell. You know, like as I say, with, with taps you can measure it and you can say, okay, this tap's this tap's running, um, but I can at least measure when the water's drinkable and when it's not. Uh, in this context, when it comes to measuring randomness, you know, if you could if you could measure the output of Devu Random and say, okay, this number's good, you should use it, and this number's not so good, you shouldn't use it, that would be fine. But but it's not possible to do that. You have to, you know, all a developer can do is just consume what it's what's being delivered. And uh, you know, if that, if you know, and there are horror stories of you know various studies that have been done uh, where folks have been testing for the reuse of keys and the, you know, the, the, the duplication of keys out on the internet and mm-hmm. there's some, some shocking results about the number of numbers of keys they've found that are completely the same uh, even though in principle with the you know with the length of keys that we use in modern systems it should be you know infinitesimally unlikely that you'd ever see the same key twice and yet surveys have found you know millions of keys that are the same on the internet
0: so let's talk a bit about let's go back to the standardization piece then because um, mm-hmm. earlier you'd said you know there's not really a standard way to to decide on if some of these approaches are better than others. Um, but it's, and NIST seems to be coming out with something on this at this point, right? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Right, well, NIST, div- I and mean, it's their job, of course. I mean, NIST yeah. have defined... Yes, yeah. um...
0: yeah. so, I mean, standards is their business, but this in particular is not something that has, <laughs> has existed within that.
1: No, so, you know, I guess it would, as, you, as you might expect, you know, it's, it's there are some things that are easy to standardize and yeah. some things that aren't. So NIST, a long time ago, standardized... The pseudo random number generator because right. they're just algorithms. You can, you know, if you, you if you know what number you put on the input side, you can predict what number you, you get on the output side. So those have been around and standardized and certified for years. But this issue of entropy sourcing, because of the, the difficulties in measuring the quality of it, you know, has made it a, a tough standard to write. I think, and uh, so NIST are now uh, on their second draft of a standard to actually go define how to measure the entropy in random number generators and to ultimately certify entropy sources, you know, as they apply to seeding pseudo random number generators in in operating systems for crypto applications. So, uh, you know, in principle, this might show up in the next couple of months and and find its way into the existing basket of crypto certification schemes such as FIPS 140 and Common Criteria Mm -hmm. uh, that that have that have been around for years. So, um, I think this will be a big step forward. You know, there's um, there's been and there's been lots of suggestions that, you know, backdoors um, have already been built into systems um, to weaken random number generators. I mean, also the newspapers are full of stories, you know, in, the la- in this last year about uh, building crypto backdoors into systems and lots of debates about the pros and cons of crypto backdoors from a privacy point of view. But it turns out the random number generator is one of the perfect places to put a backdoor because it's essentially undetectable. You know, if I gave you two systems and I told you that one of them was backdoored, you um, Inside the RNG, you literally couldn't tell which one was which. Because you're getting means, random
0: data, right? How would well, you know? Random data
1: looks like random, random right. data looks the same as non random data. Right. So, so you know. Doring an RNG is almost the perfect attack uh, you know, and that's the challenge that uh, you know that NIST taken on board and uh, you know, I think they should have some credit for doing that because it's not a simple task. Um, but the new uh, these drifts these these draft standards so you know for those that are inquisitive to to go read it it's called SB800-90b. Um, um, and there's uh, there's actually a suite of these ninety ninety standards. Ninety A covers pseudo random number generators, and that's that's already out and finished. Ninety right. uh, B covers entropy sources, and ninety C covers the various architectures for stringing entropy sources and PRNGs together. So the, the trio of standards, when once it's complete, um, will create a mechanism that the products can be certified to, and uh, and products will even will even have an entropy score, you know the moral equivalent of miles per gallon when you buy you know buy a new car. So <laughs> I think that's I think that when, when it shows up, that will give um you know security architects and uh, and um, system administrators the opportunity to actually go validate the quality of their their crypto systems and be able to attest that the um you know the encryption that's happening and the key generations happening in their environments is um you know is up to grade
0: so the you know the the next frontier for this then is is I guess is whether you can then really what are the next step you know things that you see for really improving entropy sources you know there's we've got some Moore's law stuff going on, but are we stuck? Are we going to be you know is is there an arms race coming on this and in terms of you know, the ability to generate better entropy and sources of data and people's but then also people's ability to you know try to hack that and crack in it?
1: right I mean, so finding pure randomness uh, is you know is hard as as i said over the years people have invented you know electronic circuits um, and even you know even electronic components generate electrical noise that you can use to, to to get close to perfect entropy but all these things are based on you know what they what they call newtonian physics just right. basic you know basic physics and and and, and to some degree even though it might be to a tiny degree, you know, are predictable. If you want perfect, perfect randomness, then you've got to look to the world—the mysterious world of quantum mechanics, where where stuff happens, you know, in in a provably random fashion. You know, this is this the stuff of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, making a quantum random number generator is, or a quantum entropy quantum entropy source is, is not very easy, as you might imagine. Um, but it's possible, and you can use the you can use light. Uh, and the properties of photons and and how photons behave um you know either as they bounce off mirrors and or or how they um how they interact with other photons to create true you know literally one hundred percent analog random signals which you can then digitize and convert into random numbers and feed into operating systems that ultimately feed applications. so that's that's the challenge you know I think uh, you know there are companies that are, that are out there that having have done that there's uh, various research labs spent uh, you know, many years trying to perfect this type of technology and I think I think now that the focus of attention is on randomness as a subject and entropy generation I think there'll be a um, you know an active market in, in perfecting entropy sources. And building them into systems that can then consume them, of course that's that's only part of the problem you know build having a great source of entropy is one thing, but, but getting it to a place that you know, a thousand virtual machines running right. up in a cloud somewhere can actually use, you know, is is quite another. Having a blank box that spits out lots of numbers is is an essential part of the solution, but it's only a tiny part of the solution. In reality, you know, companies don't get to start with a clean sheet of paper very often. You know, an, an an organization, you know, an e-commerce site or a government department or a bank already has thousands of applications running in legacy data centers and virtualized environments and even these days, of course, moving up into Amazon and the cloud and elsewhere, um, they need to be able to retrofit all these systems with good randomness. So that's really the the second part of the puzzle. Make decent entropy in the first place, ideally with quantum if you can do it, um, but then find ways of delivering it over a network um, to systems that, that can consume it. I think a good example is uh, is network time. You know, we... Mm-hmm. You know, we Five years ago, we used to we used to program the time and date into all of our servers, <laughs> just, just, just like a, we did with our phones, just, just like imagine. we did with our alarm clocks. Yeah. You know? So we realised a while ago, you know, when when we when we start thinking about online payments and online commerce, it's sort of important that all your web servers agree on what the time is. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have this thing called Network Time Protocol. So in data centres, there is an, a, a central source of time yeah. that synchronises all of the machines in that environment, and. Um, I think we're sort of heading in that direction with entropy and random numbers. If you can't trust individual virtual machines to generate sufficient entropy, then, you know, the alternative is to is to have a central source of entropy that delivers randomness essentially to all of your instances and all of your virtual machines and all of your IoT devices to make sure that they all have the basis of generating good keys and just like if in the context of network time, if you're going to have a, net, a, a centralized source of time, you might as well make it a good one. Um, same with entropy. If you're going to have a centralized source of entropy, you, you might as well have a good one. And that's where that's where quantum would fit if uh, you know, if you can get your hands on one.
0: Yeah. But that I mean, how I don't know enough about how hard that is for for organizations of size and that I mean what's this what's sort of the state of that market right now and people's access to that and I mean are you talking only the Netflixes and the Googles and the whoever of the world or
1: no not no, no certainly not I mean it's it's a new market I mean you know in, in shame shameful self-promotion of course we make this stuff <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we're, we're, we're so we're a spin-off from Los Alamos' labs and uh, they have obviously been have been researching the world of quantum mechanics and quantum crypto in particular for for decades. And um, so, so we've actually used some uh, some technology that we developed with Los Alamos to, to make quantum entropy, you know, lots of it, high speed, because after all, a data center, a whole data center needs quite a lot of it, um, and then deliver it over the network. So this is yeah, you know, this is a you know this this is a technology that's just coming to market. We only launched it a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other you know a couple of other vendors as well. So it's you know it, it's it's getting going. I think um, it's only for the last few years or so. I think that people have really really sort of given attention to this issue. But I think the arrival of this new standard from NIST and its incorporation into other crypto standards will will sort of put this on the radar. I think for you know a lot of architects and and compliance folks. So. Uh, it's still still fairly the early days. It's it's not a particularly difficult upgrade to a data center. So no, I don't think you, you don't have to be a Netflix to go do this. <laughs> um, I would hope Netflix had already done it to be honest. <laughs> well, but uh, given the amount of keys that they must be generating, yeah. but no, this is something that uh, you know you could uh, you could retrofit into it into a you know a regular data center and. Uh, you know, and uplift the quality of keys being built by your systems. Um, you know, without a lot of hassle. When I, mean, I think you know, if you if you look forward a few years, I think the entropy supply in a data center will be will be just perceived as a utility in the same way that we think of you know power and air conditioning and timing signals today. It's just one of those things that ought to be available you know on demand within mm-hmm. within a data center. Yeah, that makes so sense. So you've got to make it easy,
0: right? Okay, well, we're, we're wrapping up here. And I want to ask you the same question I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. Uh, because the you know, one of the running themes is that for so long, defense has happened in the shadows. Um, it's not as visible as attacks and vulnerabilities and and all of that. But but we're really trying to change that um, with the podcast and with the other events we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really believe that everybody has a secret superpower. <laughs> Um, and I, I want to know what your secret superpower is.
1: Personally, my secret superpower.
0: Personally, or professionally, you could pick. It doesn't really matter.
1: <laughs> um, goodness me! Well, professionally, our, our, our superpower's got to be our little our quantum source of entropy. I mean, that's you know that's the stuff that you know. Thankfully, the U.S. government spent many millions of dollars inventing you know in the lab, and thankfully, it's it's seen the light of day in a product. I mean, that's that's the. Uh, you know, that's that's the hard problem to solve is how on earth do you make you know millions of bits per second of, of perfect entropy? Yeah,
0: that does have a uh, bit of superhero sort of cachet to it, I suppose. You know,
1: I mean, it's you know, it's uh, the nice thing about um, you know, random numbers has, I think, this sort of intuitive sort of dimension to it. Uh, but if you can, if you can find a way of of using quantum mechanics, you know, in a, in a way that makes practical sense to to everyday folks, then I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, in terms of my own personal superpower, I don't know. Gee, uh, I, think my, I think welding. Oh, welding is the one.
0: That's pretty amazing, actually.
1: <laughs> I restore cars. So if you restore cars, you've got to be able yeah. to weld, well, a weld. Particularly if I restore alpha males, which those, those that are listening, they will know are, uh, you know, basically a rust waiting to happen. So I, back, I guess that's back to your point about entropy. Um, so if you, you know, if you touch an alpha mail, you better learn how to weld.
0: Fantastic. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: You're welcome. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Courtney Nash and Richard is at Richard Moulds. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud so you never miss an episode.